you have your Bibles, turn to Psalms 146. Psalms 146. I was going to start the series in Joshua uh, this morning, but the Lord laid this on my heart Tuesday night, and we had such good testimony time that I didn't get to preach but the first verse of Psalms 146. And I'm glad because it was a great testimony service. As a matter of fact, some people said that I uh, had overlooked some people, so tonight you have your chance. Uh, to testify, uh, and we had a great, great service. I don't know about you, but I love taking the Lord's Supper. It's one of the ordinances of the church. It's important as being baptized. You ought to take the Lord's Supper, and uh, that and that is thanksgiving to the Lord for Calvary. And so we had a wonderful time, candlelight, Lord's Supper, and just a wonderful, wonderful time. Appreciate all these beautiful decorations that Miss Trudy and Miss Rebecca labored many, many hours on. And I believe in Christmas. I do. I believe in the proper perspective of Christmas. You won't see no fat, red-suited red man around here, I hope. Amen. But you'll see Jesus, and uh, thank the Lord, he is coming soon. And ready or not, he's coming. And he knows your thoughts. He knows when you're bad, and he knows when you're good. I shouldn't even compare that. Amen. Pray. Let's go. Psalms 136. Let's get to preaching. Amen. I'll make everybody mad. You'll go home and celebrate Christmas by yourself. But uh, Psalms 146, let's stand in awe of the Word of God. This is the first of five hallow uh, uh, psalms or hallelujah psalms. Uh, it's probably written around the time Israel returns from a terrible time of bondage in Babylon. And they were miraculously uh, set free and returned to Jerusalem. They rebuilt the city, the walls of Jerusalem, rebuilt the temple, reestablished their nation. They were, at the, they were at the point of extinction. They were at the point of uh, dying. And God rescued them and saved them as a nation. Amen? And uh, these five psalms, psalms start with um, praise ye the Lord, and they end with praise ye the Lord. All five of them. And I'm not going to preach all five. I'm just going to preach one, Psalms 146. The Bible says, praise ye the Lord, Praise the Lord, O my soul. Why don't y'all read the second verse? While I live, I praise the Lord. I will sing praises unto my God, while I have any being. Put not your trust in princesses, listen now, nor in the Son of Man, in whom there is no help. Class. Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God. Which executeth judgment for the oppressed, which giveth food to the hungry, the Lord looseneth the prisoners. The Lord preserveth the strangers, he relieveth the fatherless and the widow, but the way of the wicked he turneth upside down. Maybe see as I pray. Father, thank you for the way the songs service just correlates with this great psalm. 
Lord, help us to praise you, not just as a holiday around a bunch of food. But God, help us to let this be a daily practice that we realize your presence and we praise you. We realize your goodness and we praise you. We realize your grace and your mercy and we praise you. And God, as the choir so beautifully sung, we realize that you are on the throne and that you are the anchor of our soul. And so, Lord, we praise your holy name. I thank you that every song that was played and sung has praised your holy name. And I thank you for this word that's going to definitely praise your name. Anoint me, help me to preach with thanksgiving in my heart. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. As I said, these five psalms start with praise ye the Lord, and it ends with praise ye the Lord. Folks, I believe that he's worthy of all praise, don't you? And I believe one of the worst things that ever happened to your marriage is that you take each other for granted. You know, you just lose respect. I have a favorite saying that I use at all the couples retreats. Do you smile when she comes in the room, men, or do you smile when she leaves the room? You ought to smile when she comes in the room, even during your favorite football game. Say amen right there. I know I'm meddling now, but thank God. Don't take your mate for granted. You ought to thank God for them. Folks, if you want to energize your marriage in 60 seconds, it's one word, respect. Respect. If you ever lose respect for each other, you're in trouble. And your marriage is in trouble. And your children are in trouble because they'll not see the model of God's love and your loyalty to Him as the head of the house. It takes three to have a great marriage. Amen? A husband, a wife, and the Lord Jesus Christ. But I want to preach on marriage. I almost preached on marriage and raising children this morning. But after Tuesday night, I just feel like I need to finish this chapter. I want you to see number one in verse one and two that I did cover Tuesday, the challenge to praise. You know, we ought to be challenged to praise. That's what this message is for. I want to challenge you to praise God. You know, it's amazing what praising will do. And it's amazing what pouting will do. Amen? And taking each other for granted will do. It'll erode everything in your life. And I believe one of the most horrible things that could ever happen is that um, uh, Lincoln James would ri rise up and not respect his mom and daddy. And not respect God. Folks, the greatest thing that could happen is that he's, he's raised up in a home where he respects daddy he respects mama, but he also respects God. Folks, that's a blessing. And I want you to know, folks, we're called to praise God. The reason we're called to praise God is that God has blessed you. God has been good to you. I love Psalms 103, verse 1 through 5. The Bible says this in Psalms 103, verse 5. I could preach a series on this. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me. Bless His holy name. Psalms 103, excuse me, Psalms 103, look at verse 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. For he forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all our diseases. Aren't you glad you're forgiven this morning? Say amen. And everybody in this room needs it. And verse 4 says, Who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. I'm glad the grace of God not only delivers us from sin, but delivers us from our sorry self. 
pardon the expression, because it, our nature is selfish. But God will anoint us with loving kindness and a tender mercies. Verse 5, who satisfies my mouth with good things so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. I don't know about you, but I am satisfied with Jesus. I'm satisfied with his blessings, and I'm not looking for this old corrupt world to satisfy me. Look at verse 2 of our text, Psalms 146. It says, Put not your trust in princesses, nor in the Son of Man in whom there is no help. His breath goeth forth, he returneth to his earth, but in the, in, and listen to this, in that very day his thoughts perish. Folks, I want to tell you something. There's a commitment to praise God. There's a commitment to praise God, uh, an earthly commitment. The Bible says we ought to praise Him every day. We ought to give thanksgiving every day. The Bible says the evidence of being filled with the Spirit of God is to give thanks for all things, for this is the will of God concerning you. Only by the Spirit can you thank God for everything. Your hurts, your suffering, the simple things, the spiritual things, the suffering things in your life. Um, the Bible says in Philippians 4, 6, you shouldn't even pray without thanksgiving. Amen. Let your th and then the peace of God that passes all understanding will be in your heart, your family, your love. It's an eternal commitment. If you look at the end of the Bible in Revelation, and I'll read this at the end of the sermon, Lord willing, I get to it. It says in Revelation 5 that the whole heaven's full of praise. The reason it's full of praise is because there's only one reason you got there. And that's because of Jesus. He's the way, the truth, and the life. But the caution is in verse 3 and 4. Do not praise the creature rather than the creator. Folks, our help cometh from the Lord. He gives us salvation. He gives us deliverance. He gives us victory. And folks, I want to tell you something. We are guilty of raising up little g gods in our lives. Sometimes we pay more attention to the movie star and the football player than we do God Almighty. And it seems like sometimes God is down on the totem pole of our affections and our loyalty. But no, folks, it's not only there, but it's in the spiritual world too, quote unquote. Um, I read an article this week about a guy that was born in Humble, Tennessee. No, excuse me, Humble, Texas. Y'all know where that is? Humble, Texas. You been there, Brother Travis? He's from Texas, amen? Humble Texas. And he is, not the, he is the most unhumble person I've ever met in my life. Uh, he has a church called Lakewood Church. It's so big that um, um, they have between, they started with 5,000 when he took the church, and now they have 43,000, quote unquote. Um, the place that he bought was the Houston Rockets Compact Center. It's a basketball stadium. wasn't big enough, so he built five more floors of, almost said pews, seats, so he get more people in the uh, church. It cost him a hundred and five million dollars to renovate the basketball court into a church. And Lakewood's 2005 grand opening. It was, the attendance was estimated at 56,000 people. 56,000 people. Texas Governor Rick Perry was there, and Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi was there. I wish she had been in the altar. But anyway, uh, Osteen's, 
Osteen's 2000, they don't have altar call there, Osteen's, uh, Osteen's 2017 net worth is between 40 and 60 million dollars. He lives in his family's little uh, shack, a 17,000 square foot mansion in River Oats, and his little uh, pastorium is worth 10.5 million dollars. Now folks, I said all this to say this, his gospel is not the gospel. He says that Jesus is not the only way, that there's many ways to heaven. It's pagan religionists. He wrote a book called Your Best Life Now. He says, and, you all, it says it's, and that ought to be a dead giveaway. If your best life's now, that means you're going to hell instead of heaven. Say amen. And folks, he says everyone can create created by the faith and words and the dreams he desires. That all the health, Wealth and happiness and cess can be bought by the tongue. And folks, it, it, it says, and I quote your best life now. He says, if you develop an image of success, health, abundance, joy, peace, happiness, nothing on earth will be able to hold those things from you, end quote. And see, it's the law of attraction. Here's another quote. All of us are born for earthly greatness. We're born to win. Uh, when what? God, God wants you to live the abundant life, but John the Baptist did not have a good life as far as pleasure. The martyrs did not have a good life. The apostles gave their life for Jesus Christ. And folks, I want to tell you something. This prosperity gospel has got a lot of people worshiping themselves. Um, he says that words give life to your dreams. Believe it. He says, visualize and speak out loud. He says, friend, there's a miracle in your mouth. Isaiah would disagree with that. He said, woe is me. I dwell in, he said, I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell amidst the people of unclean lips. And folks, I believe that God will bless you, and I believe God has blessed you, but I want to tell you something. It's not because we speak it. It's not just because we think it. Folks, it's the power of positive faith. I believe we ought to be positive people, but I want to tell you something. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is this wealth, health, and prosperity gospel. And folks, the last time I checked, that's the devil that wants to give us the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. You say you shouldn't be so negative. Well, he ought to crown Jesus as the author and finisher of our faith. As God created man and revealed himself to, uh, to man, uh, folks, he says that uh, that we can think it and that we can have it because we believe it in our heart. Well, folks, without Jesus Christ, you can think all you want. You won't be blessed. And some of you don't have um, an $80 million mansion, and we don't have a $105 million ministry and a $70 million budget per year. But I want to tell you something. we got things money cannot buy mercy and joy and peace and happiness. And folks, there's a misconception of God going on in these last days. And folks, I want to tell you something. If a church can run 50,000 in the last days that says publicly on the Larry King show, Jesus is not the only way, the only truth, and the only life, then we got a problem. It's the last day's philosophy that man is their own God. Folks, we, we are intoxicated by our own success. We want to obtain and we want to give man the credit 
And the caution in this chapter is, don't look to the Son of Man of whom there is no help. Don't look to a preacher, a pope, or a pre uh, potentate. Don't look to a politician. Don't look to a Hollywood. Surely don't look to Hollywood. And don't look to some uh, motivational speaker and think that you can just think it and you can be rich. Folks, there's sometimes God calls us not to be rich with the things of this world, but rich with the things that money cannot buy. And I believe if God blesses you, you ought to thank God for it. And I don't think there's anything wrong with money. It's the love of it that's the root of all evil. Say amen. It takes a lot of money to pipe the gospel around the world. But folks, there's a misconception of God in these last days that God is not to be honored in everything. There's a misconception that prayer should not be in the school. The word should not be read in public places. And the name should be removed from all government buildings. We shouldn't have any kind of National acknowledgement of God is the philosophy of the day. I'm afraid to say that we live in a post-Christian era. And I'm afraid to say, folks, that God is not getting the supreme honor and praise by this nation that it once did. And we need to repent. We need to realize that, folks, it's not just comfort that we ought to seek, and it's not our own esteem that we should seek, but, folks, we ought to seek humbly what God wants in our life. If God calls you to suffer, I think about Brother uh, Gary Lefford, Brother Dan Reed, some of the greatest men of God I've ever met. And they suffer. And they've been suffering. He'll barely be able to preach this morning if he's able, able to preach. If not, my son will have to take over and preach for him. And folks, I want to tell you something. I believe he's in the middle of the will of God. I believe he's a man of God more than more than some celebrity that uh, draws 50,000 people a, a week, that uh, makes between 70 and $80 million on sales of books. I believe he's my hero. The men of God that maybe is humble in a little church down in Atlanta that doesn't have much suffering every day of his life, but God has a plan to be glorified through his life. It's precious. Man's a passing creature, verse 2. Both God, on the other hand, is eternal, and he is worthy. I want to give you the calls for praise in verse 5 through 10. And I want you to see this. It says, Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help. And I want to say this very clearly, and I'm not very critical about other preachers if they are real preachers. But folks, in order to be happy, you must be holy. The Bible says you abide in him as he abides in you. And you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. These things have I spoken unto you, John 15, 10, that your joy might be full and my joy might be remain. What things? That you abide. That you're the branch that's yielded. That you're the branch that's holy. And so, folks, I want to tell you something. The greatness of God is described in verse 6, but the greatness of God can flow through your little old life for the redounding glory of God. What a privilege that we get to glorify God through our yielded life. Look at verse 6. It says, Which made heaven and earth, sea, and all that's therein, which keepeth truth forever. I want you to know God is great. And God is good. And God is great all the time. And I want to say this, friend. God made you. God sustains you. And God saved you by the grace of God. And He's able to keep that which 
is committed unto him. He's the I am, Exodus chapter 3, verse 14. I'm enabled to stand, to walk, to win, all because I'm resting in the power of Christ and Christ alone. May I say, he is worthy of all praise. He's worthy of all admiration and adoration. I see not only the greatness of his power, I see the greatness of his promise. Look at verse 6. It says, and all that therein is, therein is which keepeth truth forever. Folks, God's promised many things. And may I say this, he never breaks a promise, but there is conditions. The Bible says that, that um, he keepeth truth forever. But it goes on down to say, the Lord loveth the righteous. Folks, I believe that we ought to get in line with God's promises. And we ought to meet the conditions of God's promise. He said in Matthew chapter 6, he put food on your table. How many of you had too, many, too much to eat uh, Thursday? And glad I'm not preaching on gluttony this morning. Say amen. Amen. We ate till we couldn't eat. Then we ate again for supper, the leftovers. And then Friday we had some more leftovers. And Saturday we had a little bit more leftovers. Praise God, today I'm going to go get a hot dog. But anyway, I'm just saying, <laughs> keepeth truth forever. Amen? We're told that he keepeth truth forever. He never breaks his promise. What he says, he will do. You can count on it. Every other man won't do that. Every promise, he promises he'll keep you as he saved you. John chapter 10, verse 28 says, no man can pluck you out of his hand. I love that security. He promised a perfect place in heaven. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it's not so, I told you, and I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive in myself that where I am, there ye may be also. What a beautiful description of death to be received of him. And why? Because my anchor holds, Brother Randy, in heaven. He's there. He's ascended. And so he's promised us that he'd take care of our needs, not our greeds. Philippians 4.19. He's promised us that he'd save us and keep us. And he's promised us that forever he will love you and comfort you and help you. And folks, this means he's just worthy. Hebrews 6.18 says he cannot lie. Folks, thank God. Thank God for this power and greatness. Thank God for his promises and his faithfulness. But I want you to see something else in verse 7 through 9. I see the grace of God. See, folks, it's not by self-hypnosis. It's not by power of positive thinking. If you're blessed this morning, it's all because of his grace. You don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. And thank God for his mercy, say amen. He doesn't give us what we really deserve. But look at verse 7. Which executed judgment for the oppressed, was given food to the hungry, the Lord looseneth the prisoner. The Lord opened the eyes of the blind, the Lord raised them that are bowed down, the Lord loveth the righteous. Folks, the grace of God is outlined in these two, chapter, two verses. Number one, he fights for the helpless. He executes judgment to give us food to the hungry. The Lord looseneth the prisoners. Israel was helpless. They were in bondage of Babylon. 
Just look what God did for them. His mercy endureth forever. Look at Psalms 118. Psalms 118 and the first four verses. The Bible says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good because his mercy endureth forever. Psalms 118 verse 2 says, Let Israel now say that his mercy endureth forever. Look at verse 3. The Bible says, Let the house of Aaron now say that his mercy endureth forever. Let them now that fear the Lord say that his mercy endureth forever. You know what his mercy is? Not getting what you deserve. And we all deserve hell. Jesus has given us heaven because he took our hell for us. We ought to say thank you. We ought to have some thanksgiving. We ought to have some thanks living. And so he fights for the helpless. He helps those who cannot help themselves. Psalms chapter 40 and verse 1 through 3. Psalms 40, 1 through 3. I'll try to stay in Psalms this morning. Psalms 40, verse 1 through 3. The Bible says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my prayer. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of a miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. He hath put a new song in my heart, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. Look at verse 4. Blessed is, is that man that maketh the Lord his trust and respecteth not the proud or such as turn aside to lies. Folks, he fights for the helpless. They were in bondage, cruel bondage. May I remind you before you say you were in cruel bondage of sin. You're in the bondage of Satan. And folks, he stepped into your life by the grace of God and picked you out of that quicksand picked you out of that miry clay, set you free. He pardoned you when you was in the jail going, going to hell of selfishness, pride, vainglory, and sin. He fights for the helpless. Look at verse 7 also. It says he giveth food to the hungry. We like to focus on the blessings physically, but I want to tell you something, folks. There's a need in our heart for God. There's a need, and you'll never be satisfied without God. Make all the money you want. Have all the houses and fame that you want. But I want to tell you something, folks. You'll never have the blessings of God until you get saved. He'll meet every one of your needs, not your greeds, according to his riches and glory. Then I see in verse 7 the definition of grace. He frees the Lord, looseneth the prisoners. He looseneth the prisoners. The Bible says in John chapter 8, verse 36, know the truth and the truth will set you free. I'm free this morning. He delivered us from the, our lost, hell-bound condition. We were in the bondage of self. That's why we shouldn't exalt self or exalt the Savior. And Folks, I want you to know that when Jesus stood up in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, and started quoting Isaiah, he talked about Loosen the prisoner from his bondage. He said, I've come to loosen the prisoner from bondage. Can you remember the time where you was addicted to this world? Can you remember the time that you was addicted to yourself? Maybe you was addicted to drugs. Maybe you were addicted to drink like my daddy was for so many years. And then God set you free. God gave you power over yourself. God gave you power over sin. 
God gave you power over Satan. That is something to praise God for. And then verse 8, the Bible says, The Lord opened the eyes of the blind. You know, the world's blind. They're, not, they're walking according to the course of this world. They're dead in their sins and trespasses. They're blind. They think if they can just work enough, they'll be happy. If they make enough, they'll be happy. If they win enough contests, they'll be happy. If they do this or do that or get popular, they'll be happy. You'll never be happy until you're holy. You'll never be holy until God saves you and puts His holiness in your life. And folks, we can have the glorious light of the gospel enlightened us and we can see things through God's eyes. You know what the definition of wisdom is? It's seeing this world through God's eyes. And this world is just a passing through. We're just a passing through this world. We're pilgrims passing through. And folks, the Bible says in verse 8, to sum up this grace, it says, The Lord opened the eyes of the blind. The Lord raises them that are bowed down. He lifts the broken. I'll tell you what you ought to be thankful for. When God lifted you up. Some of you have lost children. God got you through that. Some of you lost babies. God got you through that. Some of you lost a loved one. God got you through that. A mama, a daddy, a wife, a husband. Some of you have been through that. Some of you have suffered the trauma of divorce. And that hurts probably worse than death. God helped you through that. God restored your soul. And folks, I want you to know Sin burdens us down. Sin causes us to be heavy laden. But the Bible says, come to me all you the heavy laden, I'll give you rest. It says, yoke up with me, learn of me, and my yoke is easy, and my burden's light. You know what that means? He'll carry the load. I want you to, I want you to just think about something now. I'm not preaching loud and long this morning. I'm just going to get you to think about this. Has there ever been a time in your life where you were so low that you didn't know where to turn? You was at your wit's end. You were so disappointed in someone. Somebody hurt you. Somebody was disloyal to you. Somebody walked off from you. Maybe a child, a mate. And God lifted you up. You're here today in church after the heartbreak of your life when you said goodnight to your husband when you thought your breath had been knocked out of your very soul that the one you love so much is gone God helped you through that folks I want to tell you something the definition of grace is not just saving grace it's sustaining grace he lifts the burden look at verse 8 he raises them that are bowed down. Many times in my ministry, I didn't think I could go on. I thought there must be a greener pasture. There must be some place I need to go. When my best friend walked out on me. God lifted me up. God helped me. I'm still here. Not because I'm such a determined person. I'm very fickle, really. 
I'm very emotional, really. I'm subject to a lot of emotions. But I can remember when I'd pray for days and night, no appetite for food, and God would lift me up. Draw nigh to God, and he'll draw nigh to you, the Bible says. Resist the devil, and he'll flee. The draw nigh to God comes first, because you cannot resist the devil. And he will not flee from you. He'll sure flee from Jesus. When was that time that you failed Jesus so terribly in sin? And God lifted you up. He didn't excuse the sin. He forgave you of the sin. Folks, we ought to praise him for that. Well, if I know my strength, I pulled on through. I was determined. No, you didn't. God got you through that valley. God gave you grace. God gave you hope for your marriage. God gave you hope for your children. And now you sit here today as a family thanking the Lord. Bless His holy name. Folks, we ought to realize that it's a privilege to carry our burdens and lay them on Him. The Bible says that we ought to lay our burdens on him. Look at Psalms 55, verse 22. I told you I'd try to stay in Psalms. Psalms 55, verse 22. Maybe you're going through a tough time right now. God's your only hope. God's your only help. Psalms 55, and verse 20, the Bible says this. He hath put, he hath put forth the hands against such as be at peace with him, he hath broken his... Listen, listen, verse 22. Cast thy burdens upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. And he goes on to say about the deceitful men in the next verse. Folks, no one ever cared for you like Jesus. I love that song, don't you? Charles Weigel's wife left him said, I don't have nothing to do with the ministry. You're going to be a preacher. I'm out of here. And he went up to Tennessee Temple, and Dr. Lee Robinson gave him an apartment to live in. And he penned the words, no one ever cared for me like Jesus. Through the deepest heartaches, Fanny J. Crosby was blinded at six months of age with mustard polis by some country doctor, and she lost her eyesight. And she wrote over 5,000 poems and many thousands of songs like Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine came because she found grace to be lifted from her burden. The doctor came to apologize to her later. He said, you don't have to apologize to me. If I had not been blind, I might have been distracted by the things of this world. And the next person I see will be Jesus. That's my anticipation. Most people have been suing that doctor for everything he had. But she was thanking him for blindness. Folks, I want to tell you something. I just see the summation of grace here in verse 8 where it says, The Lord loveth. That sums it up, amen? He loveth. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, Nothing shall separate you from the love of God. He loves you when you're unlovable. He loves you when you deserve punishment. He loves you in spite of the foolishness and failures. He loves you unconditionally, completely. 
He loves you eternally. I think you ought to praise him for it. Folks, I just want you to go on and see in verse 9, it says, the Lord opened the eyes of the blind. Verse 9 says, the Lord preserveth the stranger. And Folks, by the way, that was talking about those that weren't Jews, but we're all strangers. We're dead. We're alienated. And Jesus brought us to him through the cross. He relieveth the fatherless and the widows. Amen? That little old boy has been adopted in our family at Thanksgiving. He, uh, every time he hears the name Mark, he says, that's my cousin. Tyler, that's my cousin. Chase, that's my cousin. See, he's, he's already adopted the family. It's, his adoption is not official right now, but he's, that's his family. That's his cousins. Folks, that's his church, Vision Baptist Church. That's his family. And I want to tell you something, friend. His daddy disowned him when he was two months old, and his mother won't stay off drugs long enough to, to go to court and battle for him. He's, he feels loved. He calls me Papa. I'm saying, friend, if it wasn't for God, you'd be an orphan. You'd be a stranger. You'd be alienated. You'd have no family, no hope, no joy, no peace. But somebody took you in. Somebody adopted you. His name is Jesus. Not some preacher. Not some Hollywood star, not some, some preeminent uh, TV evangelist, not some author of a book on self-improvement. But God Almighty reached down through His Son, Jesus Christ, and picked you up when you was a pilgrim, when you was a stranger, when you was alienated, and brought you into the family of God. I don't know about you, but I love the family of God. I love you. I love being around you. I love class socials. I love, I love just going and working around the church and uh, washing buses together or sweeping the parking lot together. Whatever God wants us to do, it's family. We're in the same army and we're fighting the devil. And folks, many churches can't even stay together long enough to build a church because they're running the preacher off every 3.5 years. Let me close. Verse 9 says he supports the sufferer. The Lord preserveth the stranger, he relieveth the fatherless and the widow. But the way of the wicked is turned upside down. Your world's upside down. It might be because you're not right with God. His grace is sufficient. We can come boldly to the throne of grace, Hebrews 4. And folks, I want to tell you something. Verse 10, it's all for the glory of God. Look at it. And the Lord shall reign forever, even thy God, O Zion, and to all generations. Praise ye the Lord. He will forever be God. That's worth coming to hear, but you knew it, but you need to be reminded. He will forever reign. He is still on the throne. What could be wrong? I tell you, a lot of things are wrong. But he's still in control. And he'll help you when you're so low, nobody can pick you up. He will forever be worthy of praise, what this verse 10 says. His promises will forever stand. His people will be forever preserved. And in the endless expanse of eternity, 
We're going to bow down before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, Revelation chapter 5. I told you I'd end with this, and I will. Revelation chapter 5, this is going to be the song of heaven. If you're not used to praising God, heaven's going to be a shock for you except for the glorified body. Revelation chapter 5 and verse 9. I want to read two verses and we'll go home. I know it's 12:15, but we've had a lot of dedications. We've had a lot of good times here. Thank God for overtime because I know who won. And they sung a new song. I prayed through. No, that's not what the song said. I held on. That's not what the song said. I was a good Baptist. I was there even for Sunday school. That's not what the song said. I came back on Wednesday night. I held on. I prayed through. No, that's not what the song says. He sung a new song. Thou art worthy. We can stop right there and shout. Thou art worthy worthy to take the book to open the seals thereof for thou was slain it's going to be our song and has redeemed us to God by thy what class? blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nations that's why we believe in missions look at verse 12 verse 12 and every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and, and such are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. I said the Lamb, the sacrificial Lamb, Jesus Christ the way, the truth, and the life, the only lamb, the only blood, forever and ever. Father, use this message to challenge our hearts that you are worthy. And God, that you are right. And that we were wrong and we were sinners, but praise the Lord, you saved us. Not just to give us a sweet by and by, or even a sweet now and now, but God does to glorify your sweet name and to glorify your name above all other names. God, you are Lord. You are the Lord. You are God. You are right. And Lord, you are good. And you're great. If it wasn't for you, we wouldn't have anything today. Because of you, we have a family. We have children that love God. We have a church family that are so close and so loving and so kind. And dear God, we have a purpose. And that purpose is to use our little old life humbly, present our bodies a living sacrifice, and live your glory. With every head bowed, every eye closed. Are you living beneath your privilege this morning? What you ought to do is start with your life right now and live a life that praises Him. To use the voice you have to praise Him. To use the ears that God's blessed you with to hear from Him.
to use your vessel, your body, as a vessel for Him. Present your body this morning as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. That means you ought to come with thanksgiving and present what's left of your life to God's glory. And it's only by God's glory that you are what you are today. Have me say, preacher, I know I'm saved to the glory of God. If I died tonight, I'd go to heaven. And I'm so thrilled about that. But if I live tomorrow, I can live for his glory and his praise and his honor. And what a purpose. I'm glad I'm saved. Would you raise your hand as a happy testimony of that all over this auditorium? I'm glad you're saved. Say amen. Praise the Lord. Or at least whisper it once in a while. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I'll be part of our vocabulary. Several cannot raise your hand and you say, Preacher, I'm not saved. I'm living for myself. I can't, I can't overcome sin. This world's too attractive to me, so I just want to give my life back to my Creator. And that's a good definition of salvation and the grace of God. I couldn't say if I died today, I'd go to heaven. If I live tomorrow, I can live for God's glory. But I'd like to be saved, and I want you to pray for me. Would you slip your hand up real high for prayer and then back down? We won't come to you. We won't embarrass you. We won't do the most we can do, but we won't pray for you. Anyone? We need to bring lost people. We need to keep on knocking on doors. That's how this church was started. That's how it'll maintain the golden purpose to see souls saved. Have me say, preacher, I'm saved, but I don't praise him enough. Right now, I just want to raise my hand and ask God to to help me to be more thankful and to use my life for His praise, His glory, and His honor. Would you slip your hand up high for prayer all over this place? God bless you. Father, use this simple message with this powerful chapter. God, you are worthy. Lord, you're worthy of our praise and our honor and our respect, our allegiance, our loyalty. Lord, you're not only worthy of being our priority, you're preeminent. You ought to be our everything. And so, dear God, help us and forgive us as a country that's legislated you down on manageable terms and saying you're not worthy of honor every day in school and every day in government and every day in our leader's life. Oh, God, forgive us. We repent. Lord, in this church, praise God, you are the author of this church. You began this church through this vessel. And God, you deserve all the honor and glory for everything that's been accomplished and everything that will be accomplished. So Lord, help us to be a vessel of praise to your holy name is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.